Boilermakers do it! They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five. The block by Purdue, and the Boilermakers are moving on! Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast, brought to you by Franciscan Health. Uh, Dave, Franciscan Health, proud to be the uh, official medical provider for Purdue Athletics and proud to help us bring you this Dig City podcast uh, every those, week. Those people have been great for Purdue. They have. And they're great Purdue volleyball fans. And uh, so I know from the uh, standpoint of, of our team, we appreciate all that they're doing to help help Purdue University. There's so much that goes behind goes on behind the scenes in Purdue Athletics and and community partners like them really are, are the only way that this whole thing works. But um, Well... Here we are. It's game week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about this weekend's tournament uh, sort of in depth, and, and I know we're going to talk about uh, this year's freshman class uh, uh, pretty in depth as, as our fans get a chance to see them for the first time uh, in matches that matter here mm-hmm. in a few days. But uh, first I want to start with last Saturday and the scrimmage, uh, the final scrimmage, Golden Black uh, Scrimmage in Holloway Gym. What did you learn about your team? They're pretty good. Um, for a young team, they're playing with poise and, and uh, a show of experience. Uh, they played a lot of volleyball. You don't you don't get to be playing in the Big Ten if you haven't played tons and tons of club and high school volleyball and been trained. And um, we've got great leadership. We got great toughness. Um, but I I just felt like that scrimmage was one of the best that we've ever had uh, in a black and gold scrimmage. And uh, you know people that know volleyball when I talk to them afterwards. They were all pretty impressed with nearly every aspect of, of the game for our team. Yeah. And you know, I'm watching it every day in practice, and sometimes you kind of become numb to some of the things that other people might see. Um, but certainly, we've got some pin hitters that can absolutely hammer the ball. And uh, obviously, Eva Hudson, who continues to gain health and stamina from a summer that she had to take some time off because uh, overuse basically injuries I think uh, to some degree um, you know she was a go-to player for a year on our team and she needed a break and we gave her a break and now it's just a matter of getting her back into form and if last night was any indication um, she's getting very very close um, obviously Chloe Chacoin is going to be a rising star in the league uh, she hits the ball with as much pop as any player we've ever had just gets on the ball super quick um, there was a player from Illinois De Bruyler, Laura De Bruyler was her name and uh, she probably it's been probably 10 years since she's played time goes kind of fast when you get to be, <laughs> be old Keeps spinning. Um, and what impressed me about her I think she was maybe a, an all Big Ten player a couple of years in a row for the Illini was from the time she took off on her approach she got on the ball faster than anybody in the league maybe anybody in the country. That's kind of what Chloe does. Hmm. Um, and she has the same approach. She transitions so well. She's, she works extremely hard all the time on the floor, but she never shows any signs of wearing down. She's, she's an absolute hitting machine. And uh, so with her and Eva out there, and then you've got Kenna Woolard, yeah. who was a player of the year uh, from Illinois, that has gotten so much better since she arrived um, last January, that uh, you know, I think if we would start a match today, she would be in the opposite position. Because okay. um, that's three of the, maybe three of the best arms that, that we've ever put on in the pin positions. 
and she's a pretty good blocker. You know, she's undersized to play opposite. You know, she's sized better for the left side position, but she jumps well. She's got incredible blocking techniques. She's a natural swing blocker. She understands the game, um, and I just feel like right now she benefits us by having her on the floor, but there's a real war for that opposite position. You look at Grace Heaney, mm -hmm. that uh, played really well on Saturday in the scrimmage. That's a name that a lot of people were asking me about after the match, the lefty from Omaha. And she's just got to keep getting stronger and become more and more consistent with you know how she plays the game. Um, another player that's had some, some injury problems um, has been Rostovsky. Uh, we call her Skeeter, Emily Rostovsky. Uh, only a sophomore eligibility-wise, but this is her third year. One of the most physical athletes on our team. And uh, she's again, she's had some issues, but last night she was just hitting the tar out of the ball. I mean, she buried a couple of balls. And she's playing at 10 feet 6, 10 feet 6 and a half inches high, which is incredibly good. Uh, she's 6'2", six, six and so she's fighting for, for time out there. And we got the potential of moving one of our middles to that position. You okay. know, there's two of them fighting for what I'd call the second middle spot. I mean, Raven Colvin is a freak of nature, and so she's gonna be in one of those. She's a, she's playing by far better than she's played wow. uh, ever for us before, as she should, she's older. Sure. It's her third year of starting in the Big Ten. But Lourdes Myers and Lizzie Carr are really good quality athletes that are both living around 10-6, 10-7. And, uh, but one of them can move to the right side as well, while the other one would stay in the middle, in that second middle spot. But a lot of live arms, um, a lot of people that compete, a lot of people that are working as hard as they can to, to find a way to get themselves on the floor to, to really be part of, of what's going on this year. Forgive my, uh, my ignorance here. Is that transition from the middle to the right side a pretty natural one for players to make? It, it, it's not as tough as going from the middle to the left side. Okay. You're hitting high ball all the time. Yeah. If you make that, if you put a middle in the opposite position, you can run a lot of what we call double quicks, yeah. where they're both hitting a first tempo ball if you're in system. So one could run maybe a, a 31 or a 51, which is a quick set in front, yep. and the other one could go off one foot behind or go off two feet behind for that matter, depending on where they're coming from in that rotation. Uh, but they do also have to hit, be able to hit a second tempo ball to some degree, and they both can do that. Uh, but they need more work in there. And it's hard to, to put, a, put one of your middles on the right side when you've only got three of them in practice because you're playing back and forth, and it's hard. But we have some practice players, mm -hmm. guy practice players, that can hold down the middles on the opposite side so we can give uh, those guys more time and opportunities to do that. What I'm hearing uh, sort of an overriding theme here is I love competition. That's great. There's depth. Mm -hmm. There's some depth here. Right. And, and you'll get a chance to uh, – to hopefully uh, suss out some more of that depth this weekend with three matches in three days. I would imagine, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this is probably, it's week one, you don't want to be running people into the ground by, by maybe playing too much, so you're going to yeah. get some chance to, to try some things this weekend and, and see who rises yeah, the occasion. It's a little bit of what I call a precarious situation, Corey, because you don't want to run Eva Hudson in the ground, or Chloe Shacoin, or, or anybody for that matter. Okay, you want to keep him rested, and you've got you're playing three teams that are probably top 50 teams in the country. Right. One's a top 20 team, and I think uh, Duke is probably, I think, with the addition of Jess Robinson and, and everybody back from from their team for the most part, they're they're going to be really hard to hard to handle. But so yeah, you want to get some people some rest, but you also have to win matches, mm -hmm. and you're playing great competition. We're not going to play a bad team all year. Yeah. There, there's no patsies on the schedule. 
as uh, one of my former coaches used to say. And so we have, we're, we have to win first. And if that means that somebody has established enough confidence in our coaching staff that we can you know, rotate people into certain spots and give them some time, that will happen. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if you can get three wins over three teams that are going to really, really help your RPI, you need to get the three wins. Mm -hmm. It's not about you know, equal opportunity. It's about, okay, who's proven right now that they can get the job done, and next week will be a new week. Yep. Maybe it will be somebody else. So, yeah, I just don't, I don't think our fans can expect to see a, a full roster of players. We're, we're, not, you know, we're playing good quality teams every single night we step on the floor. That starts Friday night against Duke. Seven o'clock is, uh, is the first serve against the Blue Devils. You can watch that match on Big Ten Plus. If you can't make it, if you don't have tickets yet, uh, chances are you're not going to get them uh, because uh, I know most of the season is sold out. There's a few ducats, as you like to call them, left for this weekend. Um, is there? I don't know. No, I don't think there are. I think, don't think, got, they're, I think they're, there's, there's one match one left on our schedule that has a few tickets left. Okay. I, I wish I knew that. That which one it was, but I think there's just one left. Um, you can pick them up on StubHub or places yeah, like true. that. And then I know that the Nebraska and Wisconsin matches are up to about $200 a ticket right now. So somewhere there, there's a message being sent. Yes. Um, and, you know, we, we may have to look at what that message is. Well, it's uh, it, it, like you said, it's no secret. Volleyball is on the rise, and, uh, and the Boilermakers are are rising right along with it. Duke, Friday night at 7 o'clock. Then you've got Creighton on Saturday afternoon. A little matinee action, 3.30, and that match will be live on the Big Ten Network. A quick turnaround for us. Too, yes. Playing a, a team like Duke and getting done around 9, 9.30 that night and then having to prepare for them and, and play. And they play an earlier match uh, on Friday. But a Big Ten Network requested that we move that match up. So I think we're playing the first match and then the second match with that day on Saturday would be Loyola and Duke. Mm -hmm. um, but Creighton is a really well coached, experienced team. Uh, one of the best setter left side hitter combos in America. Okay. Really, really good players. Plus a couple of good middles and another good left side. Uh, the opposite position's up in the air right now. They have a transfer from Rice that uh, was a, a three or four year starter for Rice, a really good player. So they won't fall off there, even though the right side player last year was a good, kind of a go-to player for Creighton. But Creighton will be really, really tough in this gym. But again, we believed that we were going to have a good team. Mm -hmm. Okay, And even after we lose Meg Renner to a, just a terrible knee injury that uh, finished her career here at Purdue, um, we ended up with three centers that can play. Yeah, uh, Obviously, a returning Sydney Yim, who's a sophomore eligibility-wise, she's playing at a level I I, I'm just shocked at how well she's playing. because Not because I didn't think she could do it, just she hadn't done it. And she's just playing at a really good level. And I hope that we can get her some PT this weekend. You've got a, a, a freshman setter in Taylor Anderson, who's one of the very, very best in the country in that class, and uh, is starting to figure some things out and get more comfortable. And then you've got the transfer fifth-year kid from Denver University in Lauren Poulter, who has separated herself a little bit from that pack. And a lot of that is you got a really young team to begin with. Yeah. So when you're playing freshmen and sophomores, as a coach, you like to have somebody that's been on the floor for a while. Uh, at the end of the day, we'll play whoever makes us best. There's no doubt about that. You know that. You've seen us operate before. Uh, but I think in, in what I've seen in the, in the last two weeks, Lauren has got a better feel for making our team play better right now. Another thing that's interesting about that, is, having a young team like you say, is uh, – 
it's weird to take it sounds like a weakness but you know you're not missing three years or four years worth of chemistry between the setter and the attackers because nobody's with Renner out of the equation nobody's been here for three or four years yeah really and you know and you feel like because volleyball is a sport of cohesion and chemistry as you put it it's nice if you have had people play around but for a long time but if you watch our team in practice right now it looks like the chemistry is pretty yeah. good our, our setters have a good feel for where our hitters are and the offense that we're running and the tempo that they need the ball and and who's going to get it done at the particular time that in, in the game so i feel like um again that's kind of one of the reasons why you like to have that veteran but again um, that that could change throughout the year based on which setter uh decides to step up and be be her best Creighton on Saturday afternoon. Then you close out the weekend uh, against Loyola. An, again, a 24-hour turnaround to take on uh, Loyola on Sunday at 3 o'clock. The Ramblers won the uh, Atlantic 10 last year. They're picked to win it again this season. Um, they have, I think, their entire roster back, minus maybe a libero, but I'm not even sure about that. Okay. They have, I think, everybody back on their team. We saw them uh, down in uh, Knoxville in the first term of the year last year, so it's kind of a... Um, Groundhog Day situation with us in, uh, in Loyola, uh, but they are a good team, and we will not take them lightly at all. We were ready to play them last time because we knew that they were going to be really, really good, and we will have to be ready again uh, in 2023. Exciting, exciting uh, to get this thing going. We're going to step aside real quick and come back talking a little bit more about that freshman class. Uh, if you believe the recruiting rankings, they're, they're they're amongst the best class you've ever seen, Coach. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to know them a little bit better in just a minute. Thank you. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Uh, uh, Dave, let's get into that freshman class. You've talked about uh, a couple of them already in, in, the, in the recap of the scrimmage and, and looking forward to this weekend, but just uh, let's go through those names. Well, first our fans need to understand that we have two redshirt freshmen that still have four years of eligibility remaining. Brielle Warren from Houston, Texas. That's a physical left side hitter that um, is is making progress this uh, preseason. Uh, I'm pleased with her effort. And then you have Lizzie Carr, who's six foot six out of uh, Pennsylvania, that is going to be a, a blue chipper mm -hmm. uh, in in this league. So those people have four years of eligibility. They join a class that comes in for the first time. Uh, backcourt players, uh, Rachel Williams, who is far better than I anticipated. Uh, she's a real steady, real focused, cerebral player that does everything that you want your, your DS to do. She's a good server. You could see her serve in any match for us um, because she serves the ball really well. Then she goes in and she's alert. She makes plays. She gets it. All right, so I'm, I'm really happy with what we're getting from her. Out of Orlando, Florida, um, you have Julia Kane. Julia is really long for a, a DS. She's over six foot mm -hmm. uh, and a good athlete. She plays with a little bit of what I call reckless abandonness, and we're trying to get her a little more um, settled and disciplined in how she plays. I love the way she's responded uh, to our coaching and our, our call it criticism at times of her play because she's so much better than she was two weeks ago uh, when we first started and you know she right now is kind of a mainstay on that second unit we don't have a lot of DS's so her and Rachel 
are in the game all the time. They're getting all kinds of touches, yep. making all kinds of plays. Your practices are only going to be as good as what your, your gold unit would be. In our case, black unit we put on the first side, gold unit. And those, those two are doing a great job making plays, passing the ball, defending, competing, all the things you want. So, um, you know, really high, high marks for those two. Um, Taylor Anderson we talked about briefly. She's a setter from San Antonio, Texas, six foot half inch, probably touches around 10'3", 10'4", and really hasn't been in a a weight room a tremendous amount yet. So I think she'll continue to to, to blow up physically um, in a lot of good ways. She's got a very smooth release. She understands the game. She's a hard worker. Um, We're in good hands um, with her uh, down the stretch, which is why when people ask me how, how I feel about UCLA and USC and, and, or, and Oregon and Washington, four consistent top 25 teams in the country mm-hmm. coming in to join the rest of this league, I feel pretty good because I know we're going to be loaded for bear for the next you know four years as far as I can see. Yep. Um, also, Grace Heaney, the lefty out of Omaha, a really quick um, off-the-floor athlete that's left-handed, um, which is good. You know, she, she brings something a lot of teams don't have, which is a good lefty on the right side. She's smart. She works hard. She was a three-sport athlete, very good three-sport athlete. And uh, she just, she comes from a, a family that just expects success, you know, which is, which is great. And so she will come in and she'll work hard and, and you know, she will get better every day. Then we have Chloe Chacoin, who's from right here in, in Lafayette. That, that is clearly a special player. I, I talked to, I think you might have been there unless you left early. I talked at the staff meeting today where our entire staff of Purdue Athletics was there. And I said she's kind of, uh, will remind you of uh, either Rondell Moore or Carson Edwards or both of them because she's not very big. Mm-hmm. But she's a s- special athlete yeah. that explodes. And if you watch those two guys play, you know what explosiveness is all about. She's a point scorer like Carson Edwards. She can, you know, has all the physical skills you can ask for, like Rondell Moore, and they and she believes in herself. Yeah. So she's you know she's special, and she, you know, has earned a spot on the floor as a freshman in the Big Ten, and, and is is also leading our team in a lot of different ways. And then um, Kenna Woolard uh, from Illinois talked briefly about her. I've already said I think some nice things about her. Uh, I think she's going to be very special uh, as a player. Uh, one of the best human beings that I've ever recruited to, to Purdue. She's a good student. She's a good athlete. She's, you know, cares about people and, and uh, is just a great teammate. Um, you know, we're we're trying to find the best avenue to get her on the floor. Um, and uh, right, like I mentioned, the right side right now. But you know, there's a lot of other different different ways that she can be on the floor. She she's a she'll be a complete player. Yeah. You know, right now you have Eva and Chloe that are playing all six rotations. She's capable of doing the exact same thing. So when you look at who might you know get some time on that left side position? It could be her as well. Okay. But she's also got the opportunity to play right side because she fits that criteria. So, there's your six or eight, uh, you know, people that are in the freshman class as of right now from an eligibility standpoint. So it it is a class that our, our fans should should really appreciate and look forward to watching. You mentioned something just now. I've, I've got two questions in the hopper here. You mentioned something just now with with Eva and Chloe both playing all the way around. Um, what does that do from your rotation, from your lineup rotation wise? Because that, that takes away some spots, or it gives you potentially yeah. a few more subs. You don't use nearly as many subs right. when you're playing both left side hitters. For the most part, six rotations. That doesn't mean you're not going to give Eva or Chloe a break sure. at some point in time. And that's one thing you do when they go in the back row. Even though we will use, you know, our 
our hitters out of the back row. We've been doing that for several years, yeah. and we like to do that to try to keep teams off balance uh, a little bit. How much we do that will be dictated by our setter, mm -hmm. uh, I guess. But um, it allows you to make some other subs. Maybe you, you can put a serving special for your middle, which he goes back to serve, although our middle led the league in aces last year. <laughs> yeah, right. And is still our best server that we have on the team. But um, she can maybe go, you can make a double sub, you know, like USA Volleyball likes to do, and they get very limited subs. But what they'll do now and then is they'll, when their setter goes front row, they'll bring a big horse in for her, and then bring another setter in right back. So you go three rotations where you still have a big physical right side blocker. And uh, where Aaron Poulter is, or Lauren Poulter is six, oh, not quite six foot, five ten, five ten and a half. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's not a huge block. So if we're playing against a big left side hitter that starts to take advantage of that somehow, we can make an adjustment, and that gives us, you know, two subs there. Uh, every time we make that move, that's two subs. Yeah. You get fifteen. Okay. Okay. You get fifteen subs, but you're not going to only right now. Only, only place we're going to sub is going to be for a right side player. Uh, let's just say it's going to be Kenna Wollard, okay, or Grace Haney, or, or Emily Rastovsky. When they go back to right back after mm -hmm. they spent three rotations in the front row, you might bring in uh, a DS for them. You probably will. That's one sub. And then when she rotates and goes back, that's another sub. But that's here. the only subs right now that yeah. on paper we would necessarily have to use. But you could sp spell your, your left side hitters when they go back row a little bit. You can make those double subs. You can maybe, okay, play a big for your setter. Let's say Lauren's in the front row and you put in, let's say you're playing a monster left side hitter. Mm -hmm. You bring in Lizzie Carr to play at right side spot and you just let when we're serving, you can do that, and then you just let whoever your right back player is, whether it be Maddie Skimmerhorn, Allie Horning, uh, Emily Brown, let them set the second ball. Right. Or let your libero set the second ball. Yep. You can survive doing that you get through if there. your big focus is making sure you don't get beat on that first swing. Yep. Um, and that would be, be be fairly easy. Or you or you could also bring in Taylor Anderson, who is bigger and longer than what Lauren is. And let her block on the right side. So I, I went long on that answer. Oh, no, no, that's the stuff I love. Yeah. right there. That's the the. Yeah. And it, it's it's even going to matter. You know, when you get deep into a set, it it twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty nine. You know, yeah. stuck at thirty. Right. And and now you're and the, out and the other of subs. Yeah, another. You hope the other team's out of subs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're not going. You to can be. still play. Some We've been that team that has used all yes. those backcourt players for years, <laughs> and years, and years, and years, and sometimes we end up with. Damler in the front row. We end up with Carly Kramer in the front row. We end up with whoever else we might, you know, have to play in the front row. Uh, and you look kind of silly as a coach. And so you hope that you don't have too many of those issues this season with, with the kind of lineup that you plan to start. Five foot two Carissa Damler in the front row yeah. is, is yeah. causing you sleepless nights. Um, back to the freshman class, the other question that I had. Linnea Rorson was another one that we yes. had up there. Oh, and uh, managed to find a way to beat Ohio State in a tough match here when she was <laughs> up there because she just stayed out of everybody's way. And she, when she did go in the back row, she played really well. But we actually played her in the middle because their middle offense, we didn't think they'd be able to run as easily as their pins. So we moved our, our middle to the right side and our left and left, and somehow we survived that's, it. That's it. Ride it out, see where it yeah. lands. Yeah. Um, you mentioned early on that uh, you know it's an experienced team, maybe on paper, but they've played a lot of volleyball because club and high school and, mm -hmm. and the U.S. Right. Nationals. Um, are freshmen more ready to play coming in th than maybe in the past? Well, I think it's different with who you who you actually have. This okay. class certainly is. Yeah, 
There, there's not any of these kids that aren't ready. Levels of yeah. yeah. They're 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 clearly ready to play at the college level. Of course, four of them were here in the fall. I mean, excuse me, in the in spring. spring right. So they got some extra time here. But no, there's no doubt about that. The amount of volleyball that they're playing. And here's what's also different about club volleyball from my perspective is it used to be you would train a couple days a week and you might play every third or fourth weekend during the club season. Now you're, you know, you're, you're probably practicing more than that, yep. but you're playing three out of every four weekends, tournaments. So the, the amount of playing time they're getting has really heightened. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure the amount of training has, but certainly the playing. So the ability to understand the game and, and what goes on and those kind of things, they're getting a lot more experience at that. That's that's good. It's again, it's part of the evolution of the sport, I think, and and fun to watch, fun to see it all play out. Um, last thing for today, and then we'll get you out of here so you can go start watching uh, watch more Duke much film. More, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's take a, a quick look at the national scene. I know it's uh, it's not really top heavy, but there are three definite uh, lead contenders in, in general thinking going into the season for the national championship. Yeah, there, there's three teams that everybody right now in the media, and I think even on a coach's poll or a fan's poll, seem to be getting most of the attention. Um, and believe it or not, it's not Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, but it's Stanford, Texas, and Wisconsin because they return – well, Texas won the national championship last year, kind of going away the way it worked out because some of the heavy hitters didn't get to the Final Four. Yep. So they, they managed to get through pretty much unscathed, and they do return a lot of great players. They lost some really, really good players. I think they got the number one tag by the coaches because of last year's national championship. I, I do think that most coaches probably believe that Stanford and Wisconsin have more uh, talent mm-hmm. on their roster um, than what Texas does. But I think they also put Texas in that grouping. Uh, so those are the three. But after that, I still think, you know, you've got Nebraska, you've got Pitt, you've got Minnesota, and you've got Penn State. Um, and I know I'm forgetting a whole plethora of teams that just have incredible talent. When yeah. I look at Minnesota, they've got great talent. Nebraska doesn't have a senior on the roster. They're young like we are. They don't have a senior on the roster, but they got all top ten recruits in the country. So I don't think anybody feels like, um, they're not going to be a, an exceptional team, and they've got maybe the top-ranked setter in the country that is going to be maybe most likely running the show for them, and she is a, a tremendous player. So, um, And they're well-coached, and they, they, they've got the history of winning. But I, I, I think that the Big Ten will be very well represented. Mm-hmm. I certainly think through one through five, the Big Ten is really, really good. I also think that teams that you could expect to, to see something from, I think Indiana is going to have the best team that they've had since maybe 2010 when they had uh, run to the Sweet 16. Um, they've, got, they've got talent. They've got some toughness. Um, they've got a lot of enthusiasm right now. Uh, Northwestern is going to be better than what people want to give them credit for. Um, you know, they got banged up late last year with some injuries, and that kind of halted their run at, a, at an NCAA tournament. They have not been to a lot of NCAA tournaments. I thought last year was going to be an opportunity. Yeah, um, they were real tough break for them. Last they year. hit the transfer wire very, very hard, including our Maddie Chin, who is yeah. I think will be in the lineup for them. So I'm, I'm excited for her, but I think they're going to be a little bit better. I think Maryland uh, will be a tough out, uh, as, as they normally are. Uh, look for Michigan State and Iowa with second-year head coaches um, to make some noise. Uh, I think that those coaches – are, are, are doing similar to what I feel like our staff did 
when we first got here. We're building the program, um, trying to get them to understand it takes a team and chemistry and great attitudes and hard work and belief and all those things. And so I think that those teams will also be, be really good. I'm sure I'm, I might be forgetting somebody that should be in that conversation. But our league is going to be super tough. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really high-level NCAA tournament this year because you still have the fifth-year kids playing and a lot of really, really good teams. So I, I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be tough every time you step on the floor. And, uh, and I think we have maybe the toughest schedule in America. Yeah. With obviously playing the Big Ten, it has a lot to do with that. But we scheduled extremely tough in the nine non-conference matches. So it'll be a challenge. And, you know, I hope our fans buckle up and, and, and are, are ready for it and give us all they can. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it Friday night, 7 o'clock. Against the the Blue Devils, uh, get out the Holloway Gym or watch on Big Ten Plus. And I, I can't wait to walk into that gym mm-hmm. uh, with what I think is going to be a, a fervor in that in that crowd. Uh, the students back and the new our new block party. Remember, the block party is like our team. Yeah, it changes every year. There's going to be new personalities, new characters in that student what. crowd. And we had some great ones last year. I thought it was a great year for our block party yeah. last year. And I, I certainly hope that. This year, we'll even get some more antics and, and, uh, <laughs> and attitudes up in our, our student crowd known as the block party. One great sign for that was uh, this happened while you were at Media Day up in Chicago. The block party tickets went on sale and sold out in under an hour. 40 minutes. 40 minutes to, yeah. to sell out the entire student section. And like you said, you yeah. know, from year to year, you never quite know where you're going to get. Well, I, I think that's a su- sustainable yeah. uh, Pe- method. People don't understand what the student sports fans are like at Purdue. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything like it anywhere. They love our sports teams. Part of it is they're not having to pay a lot of their money to right. run our, our sports program, okay? There's there's a divide between athletics and academics, okay? Purdue runs their own athletic department. They're not taking money from, from the academic side. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but but they love our, our teams. And you start to win for them, and, and they will go crazy. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll win enough matches to get them on board. Sounds good. Good luck this weekend, Dave. Thanks, Corey. All right.